0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 472 of So You Want to Be a Writer, the podcast that's all about writing and publishing. My name's Valerie Koo, and if you're new to this podcast, welcome. I'm CEO of the Australian Writers' Centre and your host. And if you've been with this podcast for a long time, welcome to you too. So great to have you back. I love the fact that you keep listening. Thank you. We talk about all things to do with the world of writing, publishing, and how to succeed as an author or writer. For those of you who are being affected by the rains and floods, I hope you are staying safe and dry Although it has been a bit of a deluge where I am, I'm lucky in that the impact has been limited, so fingers crossed that continues. I've just been staying at home and off the roads, and it's given me a bit of time to get things done, and also time to read. I've also started the TV series, The Dropout, which has just released on Disney+, Plus, I think, in Australia, which is a story I'm completely riveted by. It is the real-life story of Elizabeth Holmes, the founder of a company called Theranos. And it's about how she dropped out of Stanford at 19 to found a biotech company that eventually came to be valued at over a billion dollars. Now, she claimed that her technology could do all sorts of amazing things by analysing blood, like from... A single drop of, you know, your blood, she claimed that her little device could diagnose a raft of issues just from that tiny little single drop. And it had the backing of very high profile investors, including the likes of Rupert Murdoch and many other people. And she was the darling of Silicon Valley for a while. Now, to cut a long story short, and this isn't really a spoiler because it all played out in the headlines in the media, she's now awaiting sentencing after being convicted of criminal fraud. The story itself is fascinating, and of course, truth is stranger than fiction. But I'm particularly fascinated because things began to unravel in the world of Theranos and Elizabeth Holmes, thanks to the work of investigative journalists, in particular The Wall Street Journal's John Carreyrou. Now, there have been various tellings of this story over the last couple of years. There's a podcast called The Dropout as well. Um, There's the documentary called The Inventor, Out for Blood in Silicon Valley. And now there's this TV series, which is also very good. It's starring Amanda Seyfried as Elizabeth Holmes, and she's excellent. And Naveen Andrews, remember him from Lost, as her boyfriend, Sunny Balwani. But for me, without a doubt... The absolute best telling of this story for so many reasons by far is the book Bad Blood by John Carreyrou, which I can say is one of the best nonfiction books I have ever read. I've bought it as a gift for friends. I'm that evangelical about it, not just because of the story itself, which, of course, is like a real life thriller, but because his research And writing and the way he structures the story to unfold is just next level. I absolutely loved it. Can you tell? (laughs) Anyway, let's move on to our writing tip this week. This week's tip comes from a cartoon from Incidental Comics by Grant Snyder. He's an American cartoonist and orthodontist who often writes, you know, comics about creativity, art and literature. In the cartoon, a writer is sitting at her desk and is agonising over her first line. She thinks about all the great first lines in literature, you know, call me Ishmael, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times, and so on. And eventually she hits upon a genius idea. I know, she says, I'll start with the second line. And in the final panel, you then can see that she has a pile of paper next to her and she has been writing well into the night. There's so much that rings true in this comic, right? Many writers get so hung up on nailing a perfect beginning that they never, ever get past the first page. They have a great idea, but when it comes to writing, they just want it to be perfect, So you know it's a mantra on this podcast. You have to finish the manuscript if you want to get published, right? So if you rewrite and rewrite and rewrite that first line or even that first page or even that first chapter, then all you will have ever written is that first line or first page or first chapter, whatever it is that, you know, wherever it is that you're getting stuck, the point at which you're getting stuck. So if you find you're getting stuck on that first line or the first chapter, take Grant's advice. Start with the second line or the second chapter. Unless you're a meticulous planner, you will almost certainly go back and write the first few pages of your manuscript once it's done anyway. So don't agonise over those first few lines, not until you get to the editing stage. Just start and keep going until you get to the end. And that comic was actually shared in our So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community on Facebook by one of our members, Robert Fairhead. So thank you, Robert. If you want to join the Facebook group, make sure you do. Just search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community on Facebook and request to join. Fantastic members in there. It's free to join. We'd love to have you in there. Let's move on to our giveaway this week. We have three copies of the novel, The Torrent. ...by Danuka McKenzie. Now, this is a case of art imitating life, right? Uh, This book being called The Torrent. Now, Danuka is the winner of the 2020 HarperCollins Banjo Prize... ...and one of our very own community members. She has completed several courses at the Australian Writers' Centre... ...including Anatomy of a Crime, How to Write About Murder... Danuka has been described as an atmospheric, compelling new voice in Australian crime fiction, and I agree. In northern New South Wales, heavily pregnant and a week away from maternity leave, Detective Sergeant Kate Miles is exhausted and counting down the days, but a violent hold-up at a local fast-food restaurant with unsettling connections to her own past means that her final days will be anything but straightforward. When a second case is dumped on her lap, the closed case of man drowned in recent summer floods, what begins as a simple informal review quickly grows into something more complicated. As secrets and betrayals pile up and the needs of her own family intervene, how far is Kate prepared to push to uncover the truth? We have three copies of The Torrent to give away. You can win one of those three copies by going to writerscentre.com.au Slash win entries close on the 14th of March. And don't worry if you're listening to this podcast in the future because you have a DeLorean and you've traveled there, there will be some other fantastic competition there for you to enter. All right, now everyone, are we ready for the word of the week? I hope so. It's Ogdoad, Ogdoad, O G D O A D. Unusual, right? Ogdoad. first of all it's just the number eight <laughs> but it's also any group of eight it's different to an octet which forms a complete set of eight things an ogdoad is just any group of eight parts so you could have an ogdoad of writers in your writing group if there are eight writers in your group of course. But you would have an octet of singers in a company because each has their own specific part and together they form a complete set. There you go, Ogdoad. And that was the word of the week. If you're enjoying this podcast, you may also like the book that Alison Tate and I have written together called So You Want to Be a Writer, How to Get Started While You Still Have a Day Job. Full of practical tips, motivation and inspiration, it's ideal for anyone who's thinking of dipping their toes into the wonderful world of writing. We've created a blueprint for aspiring writers to follow and it's suitable regardless of whether you want to plunge straight into this new career or if you need to explore it while you're still busy in your day job. Let us hold your hand as you turn your dream into a reality. Buy your copy today at soyouwanttobeawritercomau forward slash book. I'm excited to bring you this week's writer in residence who we've already spoken about on this episode because she's the author of our book giveaway this week, The Torrent by Danuka McKenzie. As I said, the setting for the book is very much a case of art imitating life at the moment considering the big wet we're currently going through. Danuka's story is a page turner and it's her debut novel published through HarperCollins and I can't wait for you to eavesdrop on my chat with her. Here we go. Thank you so much for joining us today, Danuka. Oh, thank
1: you so much for having me.
0: I'm so thrilled for you, The Torrent. Not only was it named one of 2022's most anticipated books, it's just making waves, oh pardon the pun, <laughs> everywhere. It's incredible and it's i just so many questions I need to ask you but let's start with for those readers who haven't got their hands on a copy yet and they absolutely should, so good. Um, what is it about?
1: Okay. Um, Well, first of all, thank you so much for that lovely introduction. (laughs) It's actually been quite overwhelming this sort of release week. So yeah. um, So what the torrent is about. So the torrent is basically a police procedural. uh, It's crime fiction police procedural um, set in northern New South Wales. And it basically follows my protagonist, Kate Miles, who is a uh, heavily pregnant detective um, in her last week of work before she goes on maternity leave. And so when we meet her. She's essentially in the middle of investigating an armed robbery at a uh, at a fast food restaurant and um, she kind of she's in the middle of that when she kind of gets diverted by her boss into reviewing a sort of a, doing an informal review of a case involving a death in flood waters. So um, the town went through kind of summer floods and um, there's a number of fatalities and she's essentially asked to look at one of these cases again. Um, and so really from her boss's point of view, really all she's required to do is kind of tick in the tick a box, you know, review the case file, write a quick report, you know, um, end of that. But Kate doesn't really work that way. <laughs> so, uh, so the story kind of goes from there. <laughs>
0: So how did this idea form? Floods, northern New South Wales, pregnant cop. How did this idea come into your brain?
1: Uh, I would say sort of two kind of things came together, I think, mainly, or, or maybe possibly even three things. Uh, so the flood, the idea of a flood was really... Um, Sort of, I think the seed for that was very much uh, the floods of the 2010, 11 in northern New South Wales, Queensland, or southeast Queensland, uh, which I don't know if you can remember, but the Brisbane River flooding. Yeah, those sort of iconic images. Uh, And so I I very clearly remember watching that on the news and going, "Oh, far out." And 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 I guess uh, just the power of the of those big rivers. I hadn't. I mean, I, I guess it hadn't really. Uh, occurred to me till that point, just seeing sort of that that uh, that extent of the flooding. You know, obviously since then there've been so many other floods, and we've seen that kind of quite regularly. But at the time, I remember those those images really made an impression on me. Um, and then some years after that, when I actually was thinking about writing. Those are the images that I sort of came back to me and I went, oh, wow. wouldn't sort of a flood or a natural disaster be sort of a good setting or a, or a crime around that? Wouldn't that be sort of a good place to start? So that's sort of, that was the original idea per se. Um, Kate really came about, I guess the next next thing would be very much Kate as, as the main character, but so Kate very much came about because I guess at the time when I started writing um I was trying to process the exact same things that she is doing in the book in the sense of that 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 uh, juggle between work life and 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 small family. So when I started writing, I had um, young kids. They're, they're 6 and 10 now, but they, obviously they were much younger then. Uh, my little one was just, just a year when I started writing, so I was very much in the throes of that full-on overwhelming stage of, of <laughs> parenting uh, and trying to manage... I guess trying to juggle this career that I built up over the years. I had built a successful career, and, and trying to uh, manage both my own internal feelings of like, uh, how many days should I stay with the kids, and how many, how much should I give to work? Like that, those kind of things where you, you were kind of um, thinking about that and the idea of. A family unit. How both partners came together to kind of make it work for us, for for our family, um, and so those were all the things I was processing at the time. So they kind of all went into. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and it was much easier to process that in a fictional way. <laughs> um, you know, we we you know, I had far more control over the over the pieces. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of then Kate became that second key clog, I guess, um, that mm. fit in. Um, and, and when I started writing, I guess almost instinctively, that's what came out. It's all the stuff that I was processing. Um, and but why um,
0: police yeah. procedural?
1: Yeah, police procedural. So the police procedural side, again, was I guess the third cog was very much, I guess, my comfort read is crime fiction. So, And, and within crime fiction, my most comfort read is detective fiction. So then, so those three elements, I think, again, uh, when I started writing, there was almost sort of no, like my brain did not go anywhere else but crime. Like it literally just went straight there. Like it, it honestly never occurred to me to write anything else. Uh, the minute I started thinking about ideas, it was all about, okay, wh- what's the twist? What's the mystery? What's the, you know, how do you hide it? Um, so, yeah, so those three things kind of came together. Uh, and then, yeah, and then many, 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 many drafts later. <laughs> <laughs> the right, so yes.
0: That's so exciting. So just to give people some context, can you just give us a little bit of a, just a very brief career history to get you to this point?
1: Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> So I think um, I, st- I put that first draft down in probably 2017. Um, and that was very much.
0: No, you know, no, no, my- no. Before sorry. that, to get you to, before you started writing, what have you been doing in oh, life sorry. Okay. before you started writing? And then we'll get into the writing. Okay. Sorry, sorry.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. All right. So basically I, uh, I guess, Okay, so I came to Australia in 92. So I'm a migrant from Sri Lanka, um, did all my high school in in Australia. Um, I basically did the very linear thing. So school, immediately university, immediately sort of uh, further studies, straight into work worked my entire life, you know, never stopped until maternity leave. So that's sort of my career. And I, I worked in, um, in the environmental sector, so in the public service, and then I moved to sort of uh, the private sector into consultancy, uh, but writing um, environmental impact assessment reports. So, so I did have that history of writing, but no, like,
0: very different. Well, in, in
1: the least <laughs> bit to do with creative writing. So, yes. So that's, I guess, a very brief history of work.
0: So what I'm was very... the spark that made you think, I want to write fiction?
1: Yes. So <laughs> a little, so much said to spark. Okay. <laughs> it was more sort of, it felt at the time a necessity. So I guess uh, how I came to writing was very much uh, in that throes of, of of sort of early parenthood where I felt Life was just so overwhelming and everybody wanted a piece of me and it felt like almost you know and in, in, in even when I was trying to do uh, a good job I guess like I felt like I wasn't doing anything properly. When you're with your work you're kind of thinking about the kids and with your kids you're thinking about work and you're sort of never quite giving your full self to anything and you had that real uh, it felt like yeah there was so much going on and so I felt really that I had to carve out a space for myself. Like I felt Mm. like I needed something that just wasn't anything to do with mothering, anything to do with uh, being a wife, being an employee, being what everything else. Like I just needed something for myself. And so I guess for me, (laughs) not being like a sports person or a music, you know, like so I guess what I fell back on was what my lifelong um, love of reading and so I thought, I guess that's been a constant throughout my life so I thought okay well maybe that's something I could try and and as 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 you as I mentioned sort of I'd obviously been writing in a capacity you know yeah. not in, not in fiction so that's when I just started kind of putting ideas together and
0: So you mean you did it by process of elimination and you actually thought I need a hobby and I'm going to narrow it down and oh, let's try writing. Is that is it my hero? I don't think it was that specific
1: <laughs> at that time. I, like I don't think it was like okay, what will I do? It was more sort of um, in those times where it felt felt very overwhelming, and I needed to get out of. I guess that my reality. I needed to go into a space where I felt like I had more control. Uh, and and that fictional space was something where I did have more control and the characters mm. did what I asked them to do. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, like go to sleep and they went to sleep. No. Uh, but <laughs> you know that
0: <laughs> but, murder um, someone <laughs> yeah that's right yeah exactly
1: wow you're really distressing me I should come murder someone yes uh, so yeah uh, I mean look I don't I don't think I've thought about it to sort of that extent mm-hmm. um but sort of looking back I can see that that is what I was doing but I mean I certainly I remember having conversations with my husband about like I just need something like beyond yeah, yeah. all of this it turns out that all of this which is like all the stuff I really wanted is still it turns out it's about other people and I just wanted to find something that's entirely for myself so um, you know yeah that's the kind of the place I was at yeah wow
0: okay so what did you did when you started writing when you thought I'm gonna start you know getting some of these thoughts out of my head it, that first lot of writing, did that become The Torrent or was there a lot of other stuff that you wrote before and before starting what then became The Torrent?
1: Uh, no, I kind of... um. I-
0: so very naively
1: kind of jumped straight into writing a novel amazing <laughs> and, I think, okay. and I think that was because I literally wasn't part of a writing community and I didn't kind of almost realize that you kind of have to write sort of stories or you know, <laughs> other things like I, I didn't have that I guess reference point or knowledge base to go oh actually what you should be doing is practicing on um on short stories I didn't I didn't realize that <laughs> so I was just like oh okay I want to write a novel. I
0: could do that. Yes. That's a just,
1: big undertaking. Let's <laughs> see, but I don't, I think the thing is, I don't think I came to in those, in that way. I mean, I, I didn't go, I will write a novel that will get published. I was sort mm. of like, I will start writing to get away from <laughs> this, <laughs> this overwhelming sense of uh, being not in control. Like it wasn't sort of with the aim of getting a novel at the end. I mean, okay or let's say it wasn't with the aim of getting published at the end, but I Uh did have, I guess I made a bet with myself to go, okay, well, uh, let's see if you can write a novel because that felt like a, like a, like an actual uh, goal or an aim that I could, okay, well, if I'm going to do it, let's see if I can get something out of it. Mm -hmm. You know? So, I mean, that's very, that's very me as well because I'm very goal oriented. (laughs) (laughs) do something there has to be like an end end goal so so I guess um it felt like okay well if I'm going to start writing if I'm going to actually dedicate time to this and Mm. and and it and and in that sense, it did feel like dedicating of time because, particularly mm. that first draft, it was my husband sort of going like we went, okay, let's let's have Sunday as my it was Sunday or Saturday, I can't remember, but mm. uh, as my writing day, and and you look after the kids at that time. So it was it was an agreement. It was a family agreement uh, because I wanted to feel like okay, the whole week I was you know looking after the kids. I'll, I need that time, and so it was an agreement. So. In having that agreement, I felt like I, I needed to have a goal. I needed to have a, you know, we we as a family needed to have an end point to this. Oh, You, you know what I'm trying yeah. to say. Like it, then there had to be um, something at the end. So if I was going to ask my family to give me this time, yeah. then I felt that at the end of the six months or the seven months or whatever, there had to be something there. To and was to that
0: be. the time frame that you and your husband agreed to, six or seven months? And, yeah. So I, and did I, you get to the end of your first draft?
1: Yeah. So I kind uh, of, so I so took the twelve months off for. Um Uh, maternity leave and then I took a little bit extra before I went back to work um for with uh, my second child so um yeah so in that time I went I didn't actually know it would take that long but yeah that's (laughs) what it ended up taking so I think it took about seven months I think or six and a half to seven months to put that first draft down and what I essentially did was I went okay every single week I am going to write a chapter didn't matter how long how short how whatever it was, right. um, I would write it down. And it didn't matter if the next week I came back and literally rewrote the entire thing, I would write, I would put something down. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I think it was sort of it was that space where sort of I guess that during the week your head's changing nappies and the whole bit and then your head is in that your unconscious mind is working. So when I got back to when I came back to Saturday, it was absolutely ready to go. There was no writer's wow. block, there was nothing. It was just bam and it just came out, you know. So Fantastic. so it was this weird thing where my brain was clearly working on it in the background mm. while I was doing all the stuff that, you know, you have to do. Um, and then at, at, on that day I was able to kind of
0: it came yes. out. Yes. You know? And uh, how many hours on the Saturday did you have an agreement that you could focus on this?
1: Well, yeah well in theory it was sort of like um as long as it took but it was I mean in the end it just became like if I got three hours I'd do three hours if I got four like it was just whatever I mean in the end the my daughter who was like incredibly clingy at that, mm-hmm. that age mm-hmm. um Really, she didn't actually want to hang out with my husband. So in the end, what actually happened was she would like sit next to me on the couch or the bed while I had my laptop and there'd be like the wiggles blaring in the background and I'll be still writing because I went, no, I still need to get something down today. Um, and I'm, I am can be quite sort of dogged like that. You know, yes. I have that kind of personality where I'm like, okay, well, set up doing something, I'm doing it. Um, yes. Uh, so yeah, so it was like, I guess what, what it was, was it didn't mean that I didn't look after the kids on that day, but yep. the focus of that day was not, okay, let's go out that day. Sure. Let's let's have a family thing that day. No, no, that was my writing day. Type so thing. would
0: you say average to be three to four hours? Yeah. I would say week? that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah and, yeah. and so I, what I, what I just want to clarify, cause I do think some people would be really interested to know is that, did you give yourself seven months to write your first draft and that was your agreement with your husband that it, we're, we're focusing, we're agreeing to seven months or did you, was it open-ended? I want every Saturday and it will take however long it will take to write a novel.
1: Well, I so around October I knew I was going to go back to work so that was sort of where we had, um, okay, you know, I was going to go back to work sort of um, part-time because um, my daughter would have been, I think, two at that point and then, then we would have been able to put her in um, daycare. I didn't want to put in daycare really young. Um, so anyway, so that was, I guess, our thing of... Um, so I had to kind of October-ish, but there was also... Um, a a, a local festival which um writers Unleashed, which i'm full disclosure i'm now part of organizing but at the time i wasn't uh but they have pitching sessions um as part of the uh, writers festival um and so that was on in august so i went oh you know that maybe i could do that and so that was sort of like i had that as a bit of a hard deadline oh right not not as um not like I wasn't going to beat myself up if I didn't meet it, but it was something to uh, aim for. Um, So, And did you pitch? I did pitch, (laughs) but, I mean, (laughs) now looking back, how embarrassing, because I was pitching my, like, first draft, like, draft zero. Like, I mean, how Mm -hmm. ridiculous. I mean, that just shows my level of naivety and lack of knowledge at the time. Like, I literally did a first draft and I pitched that. I mean, that's just terrible. Anyway, so, yes, (laughs) so, yes, I did pitch, but, you know. I mean clearly it went nowhere. Um <laughs> so uh yeah, so then I then then I started sort of uh actually looking out of my box. Because I guess once you do it, you go, Oh, I've actually like there isn't a sense of achievement with that. Mm. And you go, Oh, okay, well, now what do I do with this thing? Mm. And your ego kind of pops up and goes, Oh, maybe, maybe you could get it. <laughs> you know, that 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 thing just does pop up. And so uh at that point I was sort of uh, I guess, again, as I said, I, I literally knew nothing about the industry. I didn't know writing centres existed. I, I had no <laughs> idea. I didn't know hashtag writing community existed, none of that. So um, so my first step was actually getting a manuscript, evalu- uh, excuse me, manuscript evaluation because I literally went, okay, well, what, what do I do um and that felt like a first um step and that really I mean that just ripped it to shreds and went (laughs) you know and I went thank you because now like I had somewhere to go with it because I had Mm that yeah because I had no knowledge so it was like well I had got to the end of my knowledge to that point and someone else had to give it to me and go well this is why it's not working (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and you had, uh, and particularly for a crime novel, well, I had done all the classic mistakes that now <laughs> I hear about in all the podcasts, like I'd started, the actual story started at chapter six, like five, five chapters of backstory and all of those kind of things, too many points of view, the pace just sagged and all of that stuff that is all the mistakes. But in saying that, it was a first draft, so I had to now work on. Um, and, uh, yeah, and and sort of <laughs> took, so what was that? So another three years, was it? Yeah, another three years. To, um, yeah.
0: So, so yeah. this is a police procedural and you also did our course, How to Write About Murder, at the Australian Writers' Centre, which basically takes you through every single stage of murder, from premeditation right through committing the crime to how it's investigated to what the police do, and so on. Was that useful in writing a police procedural?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, Candace, and that was that course is with, with Candace with Candace all her Fox. information. She's amazing, Candace Fox, and she's just one of the most generous kind of authors in, in that writing community. And she gives her, um, sort of knowledge safe really Um, yeah absolutely that was really really um useful and what I found most useful about it was all the resources because you get because it's not she doesn't just say okay well this is how you think about the suspect this is how you think about you know um like sort of the investigative procedure she doesn't just talk about that but there's all these links there's links when you know when you want to think about sort of if you're writing it um a story that's related to court cases and, you know, how to look those things up and how to look at procedural um, and, and legislative things, which is like sort of like, oh, wow, this is like the blueprint of everything and even if um like it gives you a starting point and then you can you know obviously go and, and investigate a little bit more but but yeah no I found that really useful because it it definitely provided uh that blueprint and just this massive list of resources that I could um go to and sort of have in my back pocket if I needed to um like with this particular uh uh, book. I also heavily relied on a family friend who is who <laughs> is a criminal barrister and he's he's worked Handy. in the police force. Yes, I know. Yes, exactly. Uh, so, so it's really interesting because at the time I was so. Uh, I sort of nervous or or like I didn't want to tell anyone that I was writing so I literally I was like god I can't show it to anyone like they just laugh at me I just didn't want to do that but once I had gotten over all of that and I was finally ready to kind of share my work um he was he was a fantastic sort of um, resource right. for me and he reviewed the entire manuscript because, um, as I said, he's, he's worked in the police force and now he's a criminal barrister and he, mm. he really kind of went through and went, well, and the fences and sort of the team structure and all of those like nitty-gritty stuff, which you can get through Google research, but mm. those nitty-gritty, they kind of know that wouldn't really work in a regional kind of you know yeah great that kind of stuff so yeah so
0: then you decide I'm going to enter the banjo prize oh (laughs) my god and what a good decision that was so first why did you decide to do that
1: Okay, so the reason I decided to do that was uh, basically because I had an Excel spreadsheet with all <laughs> of the, the publishers and all of the things that any competition that they had, all their Friday pitches and anything that had an opening, I, I just listed them out and I went, okay, this is my year for pitching this this novel and I'm going to use every, all those opportunities. So it, oh it my was, God. I just went, right? I'll just, I'll just do that. So in my head, I was like, okay, well, they're going to reject that. Then I can go to Hachette and then I can go to Alan and then I can go to because I was just assuming that they're just going to reject it. But for me, I was like a competition will get them to read it, right? Yes. Because a flush pile might sit there for years. Um, but a competition, that's what they do. They read the work. They actually put away some time. To, mm. to, to look at those manuscripts and I went, okay, well, this is a way of someone from HarperCollins will read this thing. Um, so that was my reasoning for it. Um, and so it was literally on the basis that, okay, then I could tick that off and then move HarperCollins away and I can move to the next person and then tick them off and then move to, Yeah, that was what it was about. It You're very
0: systematic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but also in my head it never occurred to me that they would take it because in my head this was my uh this was my apprenticeship novel, so I wanted it, to give it the respect, I wanted to respect the process to, to, to make sure I did it and didn't think in my head, oh, maybe I should have submitted it. So I didn't so I wanted to give it it's due and, and <laughs> send it out. But at the same time, I was like, well, of course that's not going to work. So I just kept working on the second one like, never cared to me that that was thing.
0: <laughs> Oh my God. Okay, so first we get the news that you're shortlisted for the banjo. <laughs> And then we get the news that you've won the banjo. I mean, what did you, what was that call like? That was incredible. So,
1: Valerie, I was very lucky because I got two calls because I got a call in the shortlist uh, and then two weeks later I got the call for the actual win. But the shortlist was like, holy, like I can't, that was to me, that was the win because it felt like, okay, now I literally have something. So I guess for context, I have no other publications I have no other wins I have no there was nothing in my so-called writing it was literally there's nothing there (laughs) not for the the want of trying but because by that time I was writing short stories etc etc but nothing was sticking and so it was literally like oh finally someone said I'd done something that I could then put in a, a like my pitch letter which then hopefully someone will pick up someone will go oh she's been shortlisted so i will read this thing that is what i thought that was the win so i was like yes you know (laughs) i've done it like okay now i can go forth and you know have a chance um so it was this incredible that was that i felt was the the story of the phone call but um But turns out it wasn't. It was another phone call coming. So yeah, so I mean it's extraordinary. Like it is that phone call memory that that writers and authors talk about.
0: Go on, where were you? Where were you? Tell me, set the scene. (laughs)
1: in my house. <laughs> yeah, Laurie. <laughs> um, no, but okay, so the funny story is actually attached to the uh the the shortlisting win. So okay. the the short sorry the shortlisting. Um, mm-hmm. So that story was so that was a Friday. I remember it very clearly because my um daughter uh is at home with me on a Friday and she's done like a whole week of um preschool and so by Friday she's very tired, very grumpy and she wants me absolutely to herself. So this phone call comes and I'm like totally oh my god this phone call and I'm just like so uh like happy and I'm just totally focused on this phone call and she's like, mummy, 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 and it just getting getting louder and louder and louder and louder. And I was trying to talk very professionally to this publisher <gasps> at the other end of the phone call and mummy, mummy and it's just getting louder and louder and louder. And, uh, and then finally the publisher was like, oh, I think you've, you've got something going on in the background. And I'm like, oh, yes, I remember. Anyway, and so she finally hung up and, and then I was like, oh, my God, and uh, my daughter was like, she grabbed the phone off me and she ran into her room and she hid the phone. Oh my God. She was so angry at me. <laughs> 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 and I was like, great, now i short been shortlisted. I can't
0: tell anyone, you know. <laughs> so,
1: uh, so, and then I made the mistake of, you know, going into, creeping into a room, getting the phone and going into the, um, to the bathroom closing the door and making the phone call, but she heard me because I told oh. my husband she heard me and then I was in even more trouble. So, yes, so that's my Oh, my God. So, yeah, it's funny. Well, it's, a,
0: it's absolutely a, worth entering the competition yeah. then, right? I mean, yes. um, so after that, I mean, it's now been public. Did you have, you obviously went through some kind of editing process with um with the publishers so what was that experience like and um was there a lot that they felt needed editing and changing
1: yeah um they sort of structurally it was actually quite okay they were really quite happy with it um (laughs) instead that I read stuff and I'm going oh gosh that you know, this is horrible and I rewrote <laughs> entire chapter. Like I rewrote entire bits. I'm like, God, this sounds terrible. This is so hanging <laughs> oh, you like anyway, yes. So because you're, you're your own worst critic, but they they yeah. really liked it. Um so structurally there's a few bits and pieces. I think one of the conversations was about the fact that I guess it was so Australian in, in the sense that I do reference quite a few, I guess Australian businesses, big W McDonald's right, and yeah. All this kind of stuff and whether whether we should because obviously you're uh, and I I guess for context I guess I'm not saying anything bad about no it's just purely to I guess locate you in Australia Mm. and whether you are I guess there's a discussion around whether we should just make it like department store or and so just have those the generic um wording uh versus sort of the um I guess, the place names. Yeah. So that was a conversation we had. And in the end, I think the majority of the team decided, like we, because um, that was, I think, my oh God, copy editing copy comments and uh, or one of the comments from the copy edit. Um, and we just, I guess, decided, no, it actually places it in Australia and that gives mm. you that sort of context. So, mm. so that was sort of um, one thing we ended up keeping. Mm. Um, the other thing was sort of... Uh, uh, well, I don't know if this is a spoiler, but anyway.
0: No, 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 don't say anything. An could, could, no, don't no, say no. anything that could be remotely a spoiler. <laughs> no, no,
1: no. But uh, I guess all I'm going to say is I did fight for the ending um, in right. that final chapter um, because um, I guess my, um, I think there was a conversation around maybe it should end the chapter before. And my, my very strong, that was something I absolutely fought for. Uh, right. But in saying that, I think. Um, like with anything, those comments are more about have you seeded those ideas enough yeah, right. along the way such that when you get to that endpoint and that chapter, it makes sense, right? And, and there's, mm. there's that linkages and it was more that really what it was because maybe it was in those first drafts, it was kind of like plonk there and should it be there. But so it was more for me to work and see that better across the manuscript such that when you got to that end, you went, okay, that makes sense now. So, so.
0: when you were writing it in your seven months or that first draft anyway, did you know what was going to happen? Did you plot Because you've talked about your Excel spreadsheet and you seem a bit organised. Did you, you know... Plot out on an Excel spreadsheet or similar <laughs> uh, what was going to happen to your characters and the story and stuff like that, or did you just write?
1: No, I just wrote. So I okay, guess so I have this. This I have this weird personality where I'm like super organized with certain things and certain things I'm like super kind of free okay (laughs) and so with the story stuff okay so in terms of the story I absolutely knew that ending so I I knew that was so that came to me very quickly that that was the ending and I just needed to find a part to it and Mm. I guess I knew that um there will be two major plot lines and there will be a linkage at, at a certain point. And so I, I kind of had that again in my head. I mean, I didn't know how it was going to link. I didn't know the two plot lines, but I started off going, I think it would be good to have these two kind of interview uh, inter- Weaving plots um, and sort of um, you start off like one chapter on one major plot case, and then the next chapter kind of um, relates to the second plot. Like and sort of that inter um, interweaving sort of mm. uh, chapters, um, not as sort of uh, like sort of uh, specific as that because it's it's a bit more freer in the book. But in general, you're kind of going from one plot point to the other. So yeah, so I had those things fairly uh early but mm-hmm. I, I took a while to kind of work that <laughs> how those two things intersected and, yes. and that you know there was a i mean yeah so i have this other document called alternative chapters <laughs> <at the time. laughs> God knows, you know, like it's about a hundred thousand pages. It's huge because you just constantly. I write something, I go, oh, well, that's not going to work, but I don't want to get rid of it, so I just copy it and just yeah. put it straight in there, um, so that it's it still lives in my computer and I never yes. actually lost anything. Yes. But-
0: it's good psychologically to keep Absolutely. it, even if oh, you might never use so, it. In fact, you probably never will. But exactly. it's good psychologically to keep it.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, and it makes you feel like okay. And particularly when when a, when you get feedback and go, "Well, that's not working." It might be a nice piece of writing, but it's literally not ex- um, moving the story forward. Mm. And, and, and you know, and I am writing commercial fiction, so that is the point of commercial fiction. It needs to move the story forward, and each chapter needs to kind of fight for its place in mm. in, that, in that novel. Um, yeah, so.
0: So the, the, um, uh, when you were pitching it through your Excel spreadsheet, all the things on your Excel spreadsheet, you thought, okay, this might be my apprentice novel. I'm going to get busy writing my second one. So have you written your second one? Is it a crime? And when's that coming out?
1: Yes, I was very lucky. So, um, so just as you said, I in my head, I, I honestly the way I was thinking of it was um, the second one. Maybe, maybe they'll like the second one, and then they'll ask me what else I have in the cupboard, and then I can pull out the first one. Because I honestly thought this was going to be my apprenticeship novel. So, uh, so yes. So I pretty much started writing the second one in. 2019 I think mm-hmm. uh, I'm really bad with dates and stuff <laughs> Kate, right? like, I knew these kind of questions were kind of come up and I'm like God, oh, when did I start to write this thing anyway <laughs> um so so and it was the it is the sequel to um Kate's story right. um and I was very lucky that sort of while I was sort of while we were doing the editing for for this one I managed to finish the second one before the print deadline for the second one, uh, for the first one, (laughs) for the torrent. Um, And so then they accepted that second one um, and they managed to put a little sneak peek at the back of the torrent, which is amazing. Um, And so the second Taken will be coming out in um, 2023.
0: So same time, 2023. Next year, right. Fantastic. Wow. Okay. So obviously you finished. Does that mean you're writing your third? Yes, Oh, my God. And is this like a trilogy? Yeah, so that's going to be the next. Uh, yeah, so it's
1: basically another Kate um, story. So, Brilliant. Yes. So I'll be doing that. So that's very much Blank Page. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so I'm hoping, I mean, there's been a lot Obviously, this the publicity and the release. Um, you know, it's been quite full on in terms of sort of all the things you got to do. So I think um, I have a storyline, and I've ch- kind of jotted a whole bunch of notes, and I've written my first chapter. Woohoo! Wow, <laughs> be, well done. Sort of, to keep sort of um, trudging on with that, and then there'll be obviously the edits will um, taken. Yes, the uh, second one. Yes.
0: So, have you gone back to your day job?
1: Yes. So, okay. So what happened was basically as, um, particularly with the torrent, you know, as things were sort of um, um, uh, heating up or what, whatever the word is, uh, ramping up is the word I was <laughs> for, um, I decided uh, to, um, and work was very good about this, to um, go into contract, uh, like a, into a contract based work. So uh-huh. I've always worked, I've always had a permanent position my entire life. So that was like a really big deal for me to go into informal work, uh, which, you know, you know, that, you know, which would mean sort of um, I guess, an insecure um financial um, you know, you know, uh sort of income. But I guess for me it was better for my mental health because. Uh, It it just became too hard to try and manage it. Um, I mean, I was working part-time. I mean, I wasn't working full-time. I guess the way I write is I do take a long time. It's not like I don't write really quick. So for me, I was getting... Hang on,
0: a novel in seven months isn't that long.
1: (laughs) That's the first draft. you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. You know, it it does take a long time. And so... And you um,
0: only wrote three to four hours every Saturday.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, know, there were days that it would have been longer. It wasn't, you know. It wasn't exactly, I didn't keep a sort of a, you know, like a Mm -hmm. alarm clock next to me. But Mm -hmm. um, uh, sorry, I've lost track of what I was going to say. But, um, like, it felt like, so it was a kind of a big decision for me to kind of, Mm -hmm you know, go into sort of contract work. So essentially now I'm in a sort of like a contract position. So when I have time, I I go to them and I say, okay, now I've got time, do you have work? And they are basically, so I I take on a lot of their technical reviews um, and I can review and I'll go, okay, I'm dedicating two weeks to you guys and then I'll just do only that um, and I don't write during that period. And then, um, yeah, so we kind of work it out that way. So they kind of keep me in their back pocket. Yes, And when I have time, I'm able to, so I'm very, very incredibly lucky both to have an employer who Mm. will do that for me as well as being in a financial position that we can do that for our family. Mm. Um, So, yeah, so very lucky. That's
0: brilliant because then, because sometimes you need a break from your manuscript and not look at it for two weeks or a month. Absolutely. Just to get, just to get, come back to it with fresh eyes, and that—what okay. a great opportunity you can do this contracting. Okay. Yes. yes. All right. Well, this is very, very exciting. You've got your career, your authorial career, kind of just waiting to happen. It's all going to roll out, starting with the torrent. Um, let's end with what are your top three tips for? people who want to you know be in your position one day um look I think looking
1: back at what has worked I think for me really it was um writing what you want to read um now and I think that that happened very instinctively but um I just love that 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 genre, <laughs> and yeah. I think when you read when you read in that genre quite a bit, um, I think you automatically you kind of absorb things and you don't even realize you're absorbing, you know. Yeah. And suddenly, even when you're starting to write, we as a complete novice like I was, I, I didn't have the craft behind me, and yet I still kind of instinctively knew. Okay, well, there had to be a twist, and there had to, you know, like yeah. you kind of yeah. instinctively know what you're trying to achieve. You may not get it right first, code, yeah. but I think, uh, you know, for me that absolutely rang true that I wrote what I wanted to read and right. that has has rung true for me. Um, and I think um, the other thing is, particularly if you're writing in commercial fiction, I would say that that idea of every chapter having to work for its place in in the novel, um, you know, mm-hmm. the, the writing, I think, you know, and I and I'm, I'm I'm saying this through experience because I literally had to cut all that backstory out. But it is that idea of like how do you where do you start your novel? Um, and also where do you start each chapter? And and Candace also talks about this. How I think she talks about, can't remember if it's the first 50 pages that she talks about. In that first 50 pages or first 20 pages, whatever that is, you you know, the reader needs to know where you're at, who your main character is, what you know where what what their context is, and then what the problem is. You, you, the reader needs to know that all in those first few uh, pages. So if you don't know that by that point, then it's you're probably yeah like you need to fix that if you're writing commercial fiction like that because that is yes. that, you know um, sort of um, the requirement from that genre. Um, and I would say so. The third thing is probably I guess managing your expectations and anxieties. So I guess mm-hmm. I would definitely say that, you know, writing a book doesn't mean all your anxieties and your imposter
0: syndromes disappears. They're all still there. Every <laughs> single one of those things is still there. And so how do you manage them? How did you manage them? Well, I think... <laughs> Mm managing
1: them is actually by talking about them and like and and having a support network around you and and doing Mm -hmm. those things like sleeping and you know exercising and all those things that are terrible (laughs) but you you actually have to do them because it's like but that does help with the you know like you're having this you know anxiety period and you go for a walk and that literally physically get you Mm -hmm. know gets rid of those chemicals from your body so it's I know that sounds really math, but, it, you
0: know. No, it's it, reality.
1: Yeah, it is reality, and unfortunately you know you think like oh having a book or having publishers say having that affirmation will fix all your anxieties it doesn't it literally (laughs) does not it just stays there and if you let it it will grow because it's still in your head and you have to find a way of managing that beyond the external and it can't come from the external and Mm. I think and and that like I know I sound like a self-help book but you have, <laughs> you have to find that way inside yourself somehow because unfortunately that stuff doesn't go away so yeah
0: <laughs> I love it great practical advice congratulations on the torrent this is so exciting and so thrilled for you um and thank you so much for your time today Danuka
1: well oh, thank you so much Valerie I've been listening to this podcast for so long so just to kind of be on it it's kind of And me giving the advice, it feels wrong. But thank you so much for your time. I so appreciate it. Thank you.
0: This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. Our hugely popular course, How to Write About Murder, is all about creating more authentic action for your crime or thriller novel. Presented by award winning crime author Candace Fox, this course covers nine modules of fascinating detail, taking you beyond the police tape to explore what motivates killers and how they go about their business. You'll also immerse yourself in the chase, from the murder scene and autopsy to the investigation that follows. Plus, because it's one of our on-demand courses, you'll get instant access and learn at your own pace with 12 months access to all course materials. You can find out more at writerscentre.com.au slash murdercourse. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Danuka McKenzie. I have no doubt that there are many, many other novels that we can expect from this very exciting new author in the years to come. Now this week I'm heading out to the theatre, to the Sydney Theatre Company's production of White Pearl by the playwright and Shirley Felicia King. Uh, It premiered I think in 2019 at the Riverside Theatre at Parramatta and then went on to the Queensland Theatre in 2021 and now it's at the Sydney Theatre Company. If you haven't heard about it, this is just a little bit about what it's about. Behind the sleek and unblemished facade of Clear Day Cosmetics, a market leader in Asia's booming beauty industry, the scars of deep-seated prejudice are waiting to re-emerge. A team of young and ambitious women from across Asia is working to generate buzz for their new skin whitening cream, White Pearl. The problem... An ad in development has leaked early, and it's making headlines for all the wrong reasons. As views skyrocket and the ad is shared around the world, the team races against the clock to get the situation under control, to save their jobs, and to lay the blame squarely elsewhere. And I think it's a bit of a black comedy. I'm really interested to see it, actually, because, oh, you know, I grew up um, reading Australian magazines and working working on Australian glossy magazines and I was surrounded by um, ads for copper tone and for um, you know staying nice and bronzed and brown and and having this fantastic tan and eventually having fantastic fake tan but then when I worked in glossy magazines in Singapore which is I believe where this play is set, I was surrounded by the opposite. Cosmetic companies were peddling skin whitening creams and there wasn't that, that desire to be the bronzed Australian <laughs> as there was here. So it was really interesting to see different people's or different cultures' views of what they thought was beautiful. So yeah, very keen to, to check that out. I'll let you know what it's like. In the meantime, we have reached the end of this week's episode. You can connect with me on social media if you like. I'm on Instagram at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, also on Twitter and over at ValerieKoo.com. And, of course, you can find all of the show notes at writer.com.au Thanks for listening, everyone, and I look forward to chatting to you again next time.